Hello! Before the podcast starts, just want to make a quick announcement. We have a book to give away. This episode is all about beasts, and so we are going to be giving away a signed copy of Mark Joyce's Mythical Irish Beasts. To work out how to enter with a chance to win this beautiful book, go check out our Instagram. And now, the stories. Hello, welcome to the Leprechaun Museum podcast, the podcast where the storytellers of the Leprechaun Museum gather around microphones and talk about stories, folklore, uh, home and away sometimes. Yes, sometimes home and away. And various things. Uh, I'm Emily. I'm Sarah. And I'm Mark. And what are we talking about today, Mark? We're talking about beasts. We're talking about beasts and monsters, which is a huge thing in Ireland. And we're probably going to have to look at what that involves. Yeah, there might have to be a part two. Yeah, we like. I mean, we could take land, we could take water, but but I mean, well, we we're, we're on land at the moment, and I don't know if you can hear it on the podcast, but the water is falling down out of the sky. Rain, getting some really heavy rain today. But regards to a beast, when I was thinking about this over the weekend, um, what kind of defines a beast? I don't know. I was like, I was looking up the dictionary definition of monster, and it was very unhelpful. I imagine it would be, because when I started trying to define it, when I think of some characters, some creatures in Irish mythology, I think of the puka and stuff like that. But as soon as I can attribute a personality to them, and if they can talk, mm. suddenly I don't think of them in terms of them being a monster. beast or a monster. Yeah. yeah. A lot of monsters, they're defined by like, oh, they're out to get you. But then again, the fairies. Oh, the fairies are definitely out to get us. Exactly. But with good reason. Yeah, very much so. And I mean, a lot of humans are out to get us. <laughs> Not me. None of them want me. I'm I'm fairly safe. Hmm. Sure. So I I guess a monster is a a creaturey thing that we don't like, which is says more about us than it does about them. Yeah, probably causes trouble, causes nuisance. I remember when we were saying we were going to do this, I brought up uh, with you a creature called a chicken eater, (laughs) uh, which I thought was fantastic years ago. And unfortunately, I went looking for it; doesn't exist anymore. I'd made a Google map where I pinpointed place around the country where there had been sightings over the centuries. And there was one called a chicken eater from down in Kerry, which course, I, I'm Kerry. sure, yeah, I'm sure Paddy would have a, have a comment on it. But the description of it was the size of a dog with a long, hairless, uh, narrow tail, and it was stealing chickens. And actually the last report of it uh, terrorizing Kerry was in 1921. Wow. which is not that long ago, but it had gone back a couple of centuries. And to me, it just sounded like a mangy fox. It sounds like a poodle. It's, it, was, it was a mixture of, a, of a, they said, like a, a dog and a cat, an unholy mixture of a dog and a cat, oh, of course, because, yeah, which is a fox. Yeah. And then the tail, if it's long and tapering and, and hairless, it just sounds yeah. kind of mangy. And then bothering chickens. That does. It's got bothering chickens. Bothering, yeah, yeah. Just, just going up and going, can I just steal a bit of your time? Yeah. Well, you know all foxes are posh, though, as well. They tend to be quite posh. Anytime mm-hmm. I've seen a depiction of a fox talking, they're quite posh. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, so the chicken eater was a big one. But I suppose we've so many nooks and crannies around the country. We've, of course, got the giant cats, you know, that guard the doorways to the other world. But living on an island, it does seem to be an awful lot of, of water-based creatures. Yeah, every lake has a monster or a ghost or a mermaid. And they can sometimes be all three. Yeah. Well, would a ghost be considered a monster? Is the Depends on what they are, I feel like. If they come from like a story, like if they once were human or if they were cursed or exiled fairy, then maybe not. But if they're just some random creature, a random ghost, like the fear Gerta or something, where it's like, okay, that's just out to get you. 
or something. Yeah. I suppose it, it depends on what your classification. Like the Darragadu could be seen as a sort of ghostly creature, could also see, be seen as a monstrous creature, or could also be seen as a woman. Yeah. yeah and for those who, who don't know, the Darragadu is the Red Thirst. She is a vampire-like creature that wanders the night, luring men with her beauty and sucking their blood. But she has a, a reason why she does it. Do you? I mean, does she? <laughs> <laughs> for anyone that's ever met Emily, that will make that dig will make a lot more sense. Uh, does a dara do? Is there a dara don't? Uh, I maybe. Maybe we'll have to look into that. The, 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 the vegetarian variety. The vegetarian, and they're probably a, a, a male. Possibly, yeah. Though they'd be the the fear don't because. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. No, hang on. I, my my limited Irish. Darig is red. Uh, the do is. The thirst, so they'd be the Darug fear, the red. I don't know. Yeah, and also it'd be green, so it'd be gloss because it wouldn't be red because it wouldn't be blood related. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's, 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 now now we've gone we've gone off we've gone off on a strange tangent now though. Though we are actually, I see the email went out to all the staff here. I'm sharing this on a podcast for us <laughs> to uh, be learning some some more stories in Irish, which is going to be yeah, great. Because we we do have a couple um, Gaelgors. Yeah. We do, yeah. I suppose to bring it back to Beast, there was a great book came out last year. I remember it was on the um, on the toy show, of course, on RTE, which was uh, Mythical Irish Beast by Mark Joyce. And we've got a copy of it here. We do have a copy of it. And Mark, of course, came into the museum and, and had a chat and they're hoping to have him come back in and have, have another talk with us. But that covered quite a few kind of creatures. Oh, yeah. And it's it's a beautiful book. How uh, Two art people, how would you just st- describe the, the style of the artwork in it? I would call it almost minimalistic in its sense, but it's very abstract and you can imagine like, oh, this like monster creature mm. would look terrifying, but they almost design it in a beautiful way, like such a simplistic, child-friendly way, but not too watered down. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's very unique. The style yeah. is extremely unique and beautiful. Like I see so many people come into the museum, go straight towards the book, and some of them mightn't have great English, but they're like, this book is beautiful and it really intrigues people into wanting to learn more. Yeah, it sort of reminds me of some of like the illustrations in the illuminated manuscripts. Yeah. That sort of abstract. Yeah. Um, it's more the idea than a representation of the physical very form. So. Yeah, I, I thought it was very Polynesian uh, when I saw it first. The mm-hmm. style of the illustration in it. I didn't initially find it particularly Irish until I looked at it more and more. But it's a type of uh, it's a type of artwork where you could make it out of cut out paper, which mm-hmm. of course, like Emily, you cutting paper um, or you could do it like as, as felt like as oh, you could you could make little kind of like models of the creatures in it but as I said it was just amazing the kind of the range of creatures that it covered and someone was like well is that a beast is it not a beast yeah. the the far Jared gets mentioned in it of course yeah. which is you know a, a, a leprechaun style character the banshee's in it and is she is she a beast is she a monster is she a ghost is she a fairy she's she's sort of everything yeah. she's just making up her mind <laughs> She's the woman of the other world. It's not. It's not that straightforward anymore. But even like to look at a leprechaun and say, is a le- would a leprechaun be considered a beast or a monster? And I'd have to initially just say no. But yeah, probably a, a deeper understanding than depends on your definition of monster. See, when I really thought of it is like that, I came to the conclusion of what the hell is a monster versus <laughs> a fairy and all these other creatures. And I thought a monster is a big scary thing out <laughs> to get you. So I was imagining like you know like some terrifying beast whereas the fairies they feel like almost phantom creatures like they could be there they could be not there mm. they could be disguised as a human whereas when I don't when I think of a monster I don't think of that mm. yeah it's just, what you, just when you're describing I'm thinking well Fionn McCool's a monster but I don't think oh, that's yeah. news to anyone um, yeah and uh, Coo Cullen 
Yeah. Especially when he had his hero's light on him. Yeah. There's this great description of Cúhalan, who was sort of a semi-god-like, demigod character, hero, monster. But when he had his hero's light, which was like when he was going into his battle frenzy, he physically transformed. Yeah. And one of the manuscripts that has this great description, every hair on his body stood on end and seemed to grow spikes, and his jaw distended and his mouth ripped open from ear to ear, full of teeth, and one of his eyes grew so big that it plopped up onto his cheekbone and the other one grew so small and shrunk into his head that even a herring couldn't pick it out. And all the muscles grew knots and his knees turned backwards and... Yeah, the great... It's like children. <laughs> but it's the same. Like, I mean, loads of that kind of berserker rage. Of course, Wolverine is, has done it in the comics uh, in 2018. and slain the Horned God. He's also had that kind of uh, rage on him as well. It seems to be a common thing with men throwing tantrums. <laughs> which and become unreasonable. So, so I mean, the, the area of what a beast is, what a monster is, does tend to be quite broad. Werewolves. Yeah. Werewolves. They, they very much Actually, werewolves ties in brilliantly what I was about to say is that sometimes they're tragic stories. Mm, you think of Frank, Frankenstein's monster and you immediately kind of feel sorry for them. But, mm. but the werewolf, of course, is a big thing for Ireland because the very first account of a werewolf reported to the Vatican <laughs> was uh, is, is said to have been an Irish story. It was. It was very weird. So, like, when you think of a werewolf, you think of a human being bitten by a werewolf and then they transform at night. Whereas in Ireland, uh, the werewolves or the fuela, they're such a tragic creature because they were actually cursed. And uh, it was said to have a, a man who ruled basically a part of Ireland called Kilkenny. But back then it was called Ossery, still a diocese of Ireland. Now, but uh, this ruler, he was, he was cursed because he didn't, he didn't believe in God. So this abbot of a monastery, he cursed him with his powers to become a wolf. So the fuela, they were human. And what they could do is they could be human, as they always did. However, they had the power to put in their body into a wolf. And mm. it was said that you cannot touch the human body. They told all their friends and family, don't mm. touch my body, because if I'm touched, I will never return back. Oh. So it's not like they can transform only at night. They had the power whenever the hell they wanted. So, you know, it was very liberating almost. <laughs> but they, they did kill cattle and livestock, but they never went after humans. I read this like, description where they um, actually, they were very good to people that were injured. And there was one story of a small child that had lost a family and the fuela, they found the family, they brought the child back. Sorry, just, yeah. the rain has got very loud, get a bit closer. Hello. Yeah, apologies. I, will, will I, say it I, I, don't, I don't think you need to apologise for the rain. I know you're a powerful <laughs> being, Sarah, but I don't like to think I, you're not responsible for it. Yeah. Oh, did you? Fantastic. <laughs> So they're they're very interesting creatures altogether, but uh, they're not they're monsters in a sense of werewolves are monsters, but they're not actual like who call them a monster. They're just sadly cursed. And it was said the Fuela were either cursed to be werewolves for seven long years, or every seven years uh, they would become a wolf hmm. for a year, a year, and then they would turn back. And it was sort of a genetic thing. Yeah, they got passed so down in the family. Pass on, and it said that even today the people of Kilkenny, the, Kilke the cats, Kenny cats, wolves. The, the cats yeah. are wolves. The cats are wolves. <laughs> this yeah. just goes into my, my theory if you can't trust cats. Um, but the, the story that got reported to the Vatican was was that Gerald? Yeah, it was Gerald, yeah. It was, it was, a, it was a Welsh uh, holy man had found him. It was weird. When I first heard about this story, it wasn't as the Beast of Ossery. You know, it wasn't actually true Irish folklore at all. It was my obsession with kind of like horror movies and that. And I found a book by uh, Sabine Baron Gould, uh, who was a reverend. He actually very famously wrote 
Onward Christian Soldier, if you know that hymn. Um, that's what he's known for. But he did the most in-depth look at reports of werewolves around the world. It's actually called the Book of Werewolves. It's like from 18, the 1860s. But his story was of Gerald, this holy man wandering around Ireland, happened across these two wolves who spoke and could quote scripture and they said that they were coming to the end of their days and like you'd said Sarah it was seven years so for seven years they would um, they would live as wolves and it was just a couple from the village and when they died the curse would be passed on to others but they the the gentleman the gentleman uh, <laughs> werewolf um, wanted Gerald to give his uh, to give the last rites to his wife who was dying and Gerald couldn't he couldn't justify giving the last rites to a beast to give a blessing to a beast so he sent a letter off to the to the vatican to get permission i don't know the outcome of it i'm sure the postal system wasn't <laughs> particularly fast and she was taking her last breaths but um yeah it was reported back by by gerald a welshman it's not the thing about welshmen running around ireland trying yeah. to convert us though yeah saint patrick was welsh as well and also um, you mentioned that the the beasts of austria the Fuera, that they were cursed by an abbot a lot of things of early sort of mon- monks and things just randomly cursing people. If, if you've listened to the curses episode, Mad King Sweeney was a, was cursed again by an abbot. So it just seems to have been a thing that you did in the day. You came to Ireland, set up a monastery, cursed a couple of people. Happy out, like. Well, of course, the stories are going to predate all of the kind of religious yeah. references and they mm. tended to overlap stories that were there originally. So we don't know. Mm. But there did seem to be this understanding that we were, as Irish people, like the people on the island of Ireland were savage people. Oh, yeah. So we have to I think... think it, it from yeah, I don't think... Maybe they, maybe they were werewolves. I think Gerald, he wrote, like, uh, one of our storytellers here is described as the first travelogue of Ireland. And he described the people of Ireland as being in form, beautiful, in habit bestial they they feasted on beasts and they acted like beasts it sounds like fun yeah, it's <laughs> just but again it's caesar as well like kind of like i mean people yeah. talked about ireland as if it was this wild land that you wouldn't it was just too wet and they caesar were yeah. they were wet they were homesick they just managed to you know conquer a bit of britain and they're like oh god it's another island it's <laughs> full of these mad people painting themselves blue oh no let's go home to rome yeah. It was said when like the English came over, like some of them came over just to now this is like hundreds of years mm. after this this incident and such, but they would come over just to see Ireland and like you wouldn't go past Dublin be mm-hmm. by God, that is the wilds and then there Beyond were, the Pale. Beyond That's the pale. a lot of our visitors in fairness. <laughs> like forty percent of our visitors come over from uh, from the UK for the very same reason. They come as far as Dublin, which is a shame. I mean we try to tap into what else is going on around the country and of course we go on our field trips when we oh, visit yes. the other sites, <laughs> uh, which we did recently on a rainy day like today, where we didn't quite get to do everything that we wanted to do. Yeah. But uh, yeah, there is yeah, there's this idea like kind of that we were something to to be looked at like a safari seagulls in the background. These yeah. are not your sound effects you're adding later on. Vicious seagulls. Authentic island here. Are, right? se- are seagulls beasts? Are they monsters? Oh, dear sweet Jesus, they are. <laughs> yeah. Well, they. They are. Vi- I have seen them nick food out of people's hands, and it's only a matter of time before they start actually picking up children to eat them. I, 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 I jokingly said to a couple in the museum one day, and I can be forgiven for this because I am a storyteller, uh, that in Ireland seagulls were classed as birds of prey. Well, they are. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I've said it now, so it's it has to be it has to be the truth. But with a with a young lady arrived in front of the museum one day, and she was. Seems slightly flustered. She's so pleasant. I hope she's listening to this and recognised herself. But she just have her had her subway, the whole sandwich stolen from her in Wolf Tone Park next door. Yeah, they, um, they 
which which was I felt so bad for her like her lunch had been stolen Dublin seagulls are a whole other breed to other seagulls they're bigger than the sea seagulls they are because they have burgers and they I have know. all these lovely food and like I know they've, they've come like into the cities and things because um, of the fishing trawlers so there's not enough fish but once they get here they seem to expand yeah well once you see there's more options yeah you know <laughs> that's what happens when you're a, a you know a coastline city yeah. you get a bit of everything you get the pigeons you get the Seagulls, I like to believe there is a little turf war going on between the pigeons and the seagulls, and it's West Side Story. <laughs> well, you know, even you see just one it's after raining, the seagulls and they're standing on the grass and they're sort of like tapping it with their feet, yeah, to, to make the worms come up. I like to pretend that this is a dance. This is the dance. Of course, you do. <laughs> <laughs> it probably. I think the worm thing was just made up. I think they're actually having a dance. Yeah, um, but back to werewolves. They're uh, the wolves of Foster aren't the only werewolves because I was flicking through the Beast book, and there are some other there's some other werewolves mentioned in there. Yeah, there's lots more. The, like, I mean, one of the weirdest things I thought was when people refer to the Fina as, as werewolves when they went into a rage. That's, that's an odd one. Again, if we're talking about like, kind of like a savage people, you know? Well, if you play the, uh, the World of Darkness um, RPGs or LARPs and you play the werewolf variety, there is a, a clan of the werewolves who are the Fina. Mm. And there's also a wrestler called Fina. Fina. <laughs> Finn, Finn Balor is, oh, a, is a wrestler, okay. yeah. There you go. Like someone who knows what they're talking about. Much <laughs> yeah, let's just mix Finn and Balor together. Nothing can go wrong there. Yeah. That sounds good together. But of course, we need Deirdre here for this if we're talking about wrestling. Yeah, She'll yeah. probably give out to us just for even talking about it now without her. But there's also a story of uh, St. Patrick who made people werewolves, apparently. Oh, did he? Yeah, so there was a story of... Okay, St. Patrick was preaching, you know, the good Lord's word, as he did. And there was a gang of people and they were um, snarling at him and they were jeering him. And he cursed them to be wolves because if you act like wolves and if you're treating me this way, then you know what? You're no better than them. And he cursed them to be wolves. Now, I'm not sure if that's where the origin came from, but that's a story. Again, he liked cursing people. Um, the words I was thinking of, which I found in the book, were, I can't pronounce this, this fellow's name, Ertok? Ertok? Ertok, yeah. Ertok. Um, who yeah, he's, he's 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 well. It depends on which one you're talking about. But there's one, of course, who's a vampire. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. Avatar. Um, yeah, um, but there's a lot of confusion over who's mm-hmm. who in those stories because there's yeah. three different Airtalk or Avatar. And we uh, do like having people who are three in one. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of the worst beasts, though, like the werewolves, seem to be people who did wrong and were punished by being turned into these beasts. Yeah. Um, and it's not exclusive just to the werewolves. Mm-hmm. But th- that guy had werewolf daughters? Yeah, it's um, well, he, he was based in uh, Rathcrogan in Roscommon. And he was some sort of otherworldly creature, fairy, demon, magic-y person. But he had three daughters who were werewolves. And they would look like beautiful women, but they could, at their own will or at their father's bidding, take on the form of vicious wolves and go around terrorising the countryside, stealing sheep and rams and the occasional person. Uh, but they eventually uh, met their downfall at the hands of a member of the Fianna. Not Fionn McCool. He, he tended not yeah. to do the really yeah. good stuff. His nephew. Oh, who's his nephew? Yeah, his nephew, uh, Keltuk, or Keltuk? Yeah. yeah. Keltuk. Uh, I can't pronounce Irish names, I do apologise. Um, who seems to have wandered off from the rest of the Fianna and decided... Oh, werewolves. Should probably do something about that. Sounds like my job description. Um, but he went, he was actually more clever than your average uh, warrior. He didn't just go barging in there with a sword. He went and he found a local bard, uh, Cass. And the bard said, hang on, I know how I can do this. I can distract it. So the bard picked up his harp and began to play and sing. 
and the three werewolf daughters, they came out to listen. And there were these three wolves just sitting around listening to the music. And the bard said, you know, you, you'd probably hear the music and you know, understand it a bit better if you took on human form. So they stripped off their wolf skin, because there's a whole thing about you wear the skin. Yeah. And they stripped it off, and they were sitting there, uh, three naked women listening to a bard. It sounds like a, a painting. And then Keltuk, uh crept up behind and threw his spear, ramming them all three together like a kebab. Nice. And apparently went through the back, through the nipple, through the back, through the nipple, through the back, through the nipple. That sounds like a song, through the back, through the nipple, through the nipple. Yeah, which is just a very odd... Odd, odd, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, an odd thing to mention. Uh, and then he cut their heads off and they were dead. Just for good luck, like, make sure they were dead. Yeah, but... but yeah, it, that, it, there's yeah. some people would say, I'm sure there's a version of that story where it says that he, he freed them, you know, from a curse, you Probably. know what I mean? Because you have to justify bad behaviour mm. by making it, it's a, it's, it's a good thing that they did. Yeah, but it, it, it does seem kind of unfair to them because they were just, you know, sitting, listening to some music. Yeah. Having, been, having a nice time and then, nope. Women can't have fun. Are you telling me in Ireland there was a lack of tolerance at one time? <laughs> I find that very difficult to believe. Well, there is this whole thing about um, women who don't conform to the social order being known as she-wolves. Yeah. Like um, a couple of the queens of England were called the she-wolves because they, they dared to try to take male power. And this whole thing of women, when they... Like Lady Macbeth, her whole thing of unsex me now that when a woman stops being in the home and being biddable and starts looking for power herself, she's seen as some how bestial and the image of the wolf comes up. Mm. But then that has been reclaimed by someone that's a... I can't remember her name. Shakira. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's who came to my head. <laughs> all right. But there is, a, there is a beautiful book called Women Who Run With Wolves, uh, which is all about this, um, this image of the woman and the wolf, and about folklore and fairy tales and that you have this inner wolf that needs to run free and needs to be nurtured. And if you don't nurture the wolf, well, it, it's going to starve, and when a starving wolf will attack things and it'll turn bitter and start to attack you. Uh, so you need to nurture your inner wolf, and that could be by running wild through a field, chasing sheep, or it could be by you know art or music, Or but you have to find what nurtures your inner a wolf. A field of wheat, just walking, <laughs> frolicking through. Unless, unless you're allergic to wheat, unless you're celiac, in which case that would probably be bad for you. But that's really all about self-care. Yeah, Which I mean is a good it's a good message and it's a, it's a good wolf. lesson for anyone. Care for your wolf. Yeah. It reminds me of that like Friends episode where you know where Phoebe and like all the women there they were just like, oh, you find your inner wind. No, that episode. No. No, it wasn't a wasn't it? Yeah, it wasn't a big Friends if fan. Anyone watches Friends? No. I hope you. I mean, everyone has watched it, I'm sure, mm. but uh, yeah, not really my thing. That's okay. It's a very like looking back. It's like oh. It's so 90s, God bless it. Yeah. But back to beasts. Uh, back to beasts. Let's get some questions. Yeah, let's get some questions. Yeah, we've got our question box here. Okay. Um, okay, actually, right. So I pulled out two, but here's one that's monster related. It says, which monster has the most teeth? Toothy Mac Toothface. Toothy Mac Toothface, if such a creature exists. In fact, if any of them exist. Um... Well, because the Mordrish, now I know we kind of stayed away from water monsters at this point, but in the story of the death of King Fergus MacLeda, um the Mordrish is described as having rows upon rows of teeth. It was like a, 
like a water dragon type creature. 90% teeth. 90% teeth, which is amazing. My favourite description that I've ever read of it was that it could open its mouth so wide its face would lay flat on its back. And that just gives me an amazing image. Also reminds me of a toothpaste ad back in the day for Reach, which was an animated ad where the guy's head literally just hinged backwards so he could brush his back teeth. But if I was to say a monster has the most teeth, I, I, I'd say the Morthish, because yeah, 90% teeth. It, it's definitely a contender. Yeah, and it was a big creature as well. So, I mean, you could be 90% teeth and be a worm. <laughs> and uh, I suppose... Well, we have a lot of big worms. We do, have a, yeah, we do have a lot of big worms. A lot of our lake monsters tend to be eels. I was actually watching a documentary last night about uh, eels in Ireland. And um, it was amazing. They grew up to 10 feet long. Wow. And but they're quite placid creatures, mm. and when people go snorkeling in the lakes around Ireland, go kind of they pet them. meet yeah they pet them. But the eel will see its own reflection in the goggles and think mm. it's another conger eel, oh. which I thought was really sweet. Now when I think here conger eel, and it's you know specific to me, I think of uh, Fuskyardies on Cable Street, Casino Gerardo, when they're served up conger eel, which is very strange for fish and chip shop. But uh, he does like to serve unusual food. By the way, does that does that bar like do you have to knock on the door to get in? You're thinking the Hacienda. Oh, okay. Yeah, which is a, which is a bar. Fuskyardis is a chip shop on Cable Street, beside Panty Bar, which is really nice. Uh, so yeah, in terms of monsters, sorry, went off one there, but yeah, a lot of lot of lake monsters tend to be giant eels and worm-like serpent creatures. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, the monster with the most teeth is the Morthrish. Mm-hmm. Any other questions there? Episode two. Sarah? Oh, um, uh, here's one here. Do leprechauns have clubs? Um. Uh, I know the leprechaun doesn't have like a club, but it has a shillelagh, which is a big old shtick <laughs> right. that it has. And uh, it's, you know, it, some people believe it's a magical stick, which gives them magical powers, or it's a, a fighting stick. Uh, but that's what the leprechaun has. So it doesn't have like a big old club like um, cavemen used. It has this stick, though. And I'm not sure if all leprechauns have this stick, because in illustration, some leprechauns are seen carrying around uh, pipes and mm. fiddles, but not sticks. But we do know they have a stick. And as to the other type of club? Social gatherings, which I'm not sure when you answered that was very specific to. <laughs> My first thought was, ah, actual like, club. A big club. stick, yeah. <laughs> well, in terms of if they had like clubs of like kind of gatherings, they yeah. were as fairly, I know they're this seen as solitary. solitary. But they do get together and have a, have a bit of a, a dance-off or a, an epic hurling match. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's when they get tied in where they're just seen as like the wee folk or the good folk, or it's almost blended with the idea of the fairy people. Mm. Um, but of course, initially, like the leprechauns, when they were back in Faelin, when they were Lou Corpon, were very social people. Mm. So I imagine they would have clubs, but what, what kind of club would they have? Um, cobbler's Club. Cobbler's Club, yeah, shoemakers. Probably some like guilds and crafts people think I can imagine them having like really like rigid society of like very like you know like old formal ballrooms and when they came to Ireland they went mad yeah <laughs> yeah like, unhinged yeah them. away from their mothers free to explore the wood um, of course I think they'd also have race clubs there oh, was yeah. talk on one of the on the Instagram now we're answering questions over on Instagram and there was talk about them riding around on animals because they were asked if they preferred Peppa Pig or Shrek yeah and pigs of course was a uh, was their choice because they do race around on farmyard animals quite a lot. So I'd like to think they get together for a bit of a <laughs> Royal Ascot, you know, or the the TT races, you know what I mean? And, and they race around Ireland. I'm imagining them now all with their very fancy hats. All very story, fancy. Mark, where they race on uh, flowers. Yeah, the Bullock on Bui, which is the Ragworth. Mm. 
which is a yellow flower, which they is said to be a, a fairy flower, where they pull it from the ground and tuck it between their legs and they race off around the country. So I imagine they're quite competitive people, mm. and uh, yeah, they would have clubs. Yeah, great. Do you have a question there, Emily? Um, what's the deal with hawthorn trees? Well, uh, yeah, what is the deal with hawthorn trees? Well, in Irish folklore, trees often have like associations, like the oak tree is famously associated with power, the rowan tree is protection, the willow, often magic, the druids had willow wands. Uh, but the rowan tree is seen as being a very special to the fairy. Mm-hmm. So a lot of fairy trees will be hawthorn trees, and you don't mess with them. If you have a hawthorn tree in your land, you don't cut it down, you don't pick the flowers because I think they're poisonous. Yep. Uh, and you, do, you leave it alone because it's seen as special to the fairies. So it's either a marker to a doorway to the other world, or they might be living in it or under it, and you just you don't mess with them. There's practical reasons for that as well, though. Yeah, the berry on it is an irritant. So, I mean, if you're trying to pull that open, it gets on your skin. It is quite quite horrible. They're also impossible to move anyway. Mm. The, uh, the roots of a blackthorn tree are quite rubbery. And flexible, actually, shillelaghs. When you mentioned shillelaghs earlier on, Sarah, uh, shillelaghs are traditionally made from blackthorn trees. Mm-hmm. And the process of making a proper shillelagh also involves six weeks of a buttered um, length of the stick being stored in a chimney. That sounds like so euphemism. It's, yeah, it's be, it's being cured. The, the it's being cured, but they're quite. Yeah, the roots of those trees are a beast in themselves, and uh, they're so hard to remove. I think. Probably lazy land workers probably went, oh, no, I wouldn't touch that. No, I wouldn't. You're taking on a lot if you go to move that. The fairies will be after you. And really what I was thinking is, I can't be arsed <laughs> going to the effort of removing that. Sure, half the fairy stories are like, oh, you know, this crazy thing happened for me. And, you know, it was just it was the crazy thing. The fairies, oh, they did this thing to me. Oh, are you sure you just weren't at the pub for a few hours? No, no, the fairies. No, no, the puka, the breath smells like whiskey. That's why I've got a bit of an anger yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Folk tales are an excellent excuse for for poor behaviour. <laughs> uh, but but I think the the hawthorn tree in that way is like yeah, they are all associated with different deities and different creatures and gods. But uh, they are just horrendous to try and remove them. Very spiky. Mm. Well, they're called a thorn. Yeah. And the haw, of course, is the berry. Uh, but you've got the hawthorn, the white thorn, the black thorn. You've got a few different ones. But uh, they all kind of share this thing of their root system for them is just an absolute nightmare. It's like something you drag out of your out of your drain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that will give you a proper image there now. All right, you're you got a question for us? The other question I pulled out though is like, why are leprechauns small? Um, I mean, it's all relative. Uh, I don't <laughs> I don't think they imagined themselves as being small until, of course, they they came to Ireland. Um, again, going back to the story of the death of King Fergus, when they come over here and they, they refer to us as giants. Yeah. yeah, and if you want to hear that story more, go to episode one, I believe uh, Paddy tells it. Paddy, yeah, Paddy does, ep- uh, yeah, does an episode one. But I think in terms of the leprechaun, their size, because we do, I mean, Sarah, we were saying earlier on the you know, height of these creatures varies considerably. And, and as people, we're not all the same height either. I mean, there's, I think it's almost a foot in the difference between mm-hmm. me and Paddy. Mm-hmm. That may be an exaggeration. Um, but I think there's a thing with the leprechaun. When they lived in Feilin, it was such a small island, but for them it was it was everything. It was the world that most of them knew and would only ever know. Of course, they came across to Ireland, and then you see over the centuries the description of a leprechaun changes to the point of getting to, to knee height. Mm. And I think in that way it's like a goldfish. <laughs> no, this, this, no, don't laugh. I have this goldfish theory of that they, they change depending on their environment, you know? 
Now, I've yet to watch American Gods, but people talk about Mads Sweeney and that, is that what he's called? I think that's him, yeah. Yeah, but of course, he's huge, which people would think, oh, well, that's not a good depiction of a leprechaun. But again, I really think it comes down to their environment, their diet, so many factors. Yeah, and America's a lot bigger than Ireland. It is a lot bigger than Ireland, so, so it would have changed. So, so why are leprechauns so small? There's not an answer to that, because I, I don't think they are particularly small. I think they're, I think they're perfect... Just the way, the way they, they are. are. Oh, that Aww. was brilliantly done. We should rehearse that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. I mean, I've I've had some issues around my height over the years. I'm not a particularly tall man. Uh, my little sister is considerably taller than me, but I like to think I'm perfect too. I think like leprechauns are like humans. Like they come in various shapes and sizes, and also some of us are absolutely lovely, and some of us are terrible. And the exact same with leprechauns. Some of them are really really sweet, and some of them are absolutely awful. And like leprechauns. Uh, humans come in a variety of genders or by the way around because another question we get asked which we do did answer on the Instagram are there female leprechauns yes there are female leprechauns there are also non-binary leprechauns and all across the gender spectrum yeah it's just strange though there we're talking about the size then we're talking about gender and stuff like that I think to bring it back to beasts again one of the things is what people call a beast which is what we started this podcast off as and it's I think it's almost Anyone who's different gets yeah. picked on for why they're different. I grew up. I grew up in Tallinn, the next road from us. There was a there was a house there, and you wouldn't want your football to go into the garden because we believe a witch lived in the house. Now, as a kid, that was a story. There was a woman called Violet. She was. We would see her on rare occasions. Her grass was overgrown, but looking at it now as an adult who understands the world a bit better, there was a woman living on her own. Of course, she didn't cut the grass. She probably had no one to cut the grass for her and wasn't able for herself, you know? When we talk about, you know, someone who's small and we call them a leprechaun, if you can imagine walking a country road late at night in Ireland or arriving at a market and seeing someone who was what would have been considered abnormally tall or abnormally short or may have had something as simple as a, as a skin condition or, mm. you know, people would have applied a story to it. And people were punished, you know, and people were, were bullied and... We didn't celebrate our differences. We, we kind of kind of held people down because of them. Oh, that's a sad note. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that is a sad note. No, but but it's, uh, it's good to talk about, though. And yeah. it, it's good to acknowledge like the, the good parts of our history and that we can celebrate it, but also acknowledge not necessarily the bad, but like the, the times that we've moved on from. And we can look back and be like, yes, we can acknowledge this was bad, but now we can address and mm. change it and be good. Yeah. But again, we, again, like we said, werewolves, you see people being demonised mm. and punished and being referred to in a particular way. But one of my favourite one of those, to come, like, take a turn again, because it's, it's great wolves and sea creatures, pigs. Pigs! I love pigs. <laughs> Massive fan of pigs. Uh, not only are they social and smart and fast. Yeah, well, fast. fast. Yeah. yeah, they're very. Yeah, they, they can run a four-minute uh, four mile, as far as I know. Wow. Of creatures that can. Why don't we do pig racing, then? Why I don't know. I don't know. Imagine they they're quite unruly. Mm-hmm. How dare you say they smell? They do smell, though. Okay, well, everything smells. That is, um, actually, they're very clean animals. They very and, and delicious. Yeah, but the reason like, they, they cover themselves in mud, it's, it's for their skin. It's to protect their skin. Yeah, they get sunburned. One few animals get sunburned as well. Mm-hmm. But, of course, can anyone think of uh, a story, a very famous star, story in Irish mythology, um, where someone is punished by being turned into a pig? Well, I, I was thinking uh, more of the uh, the tragic death of the sons of what's his face. Sons of Ishnak, yeah. Yeah, which so honest, sons of Turin, sorry, sons of Turin, which is very honestly sound. If you if you go through it, it, it's considered one of the great Irish tragedies. 
a lot of it is a slapstick comedy. It is very. It's amazing what you can laugh at, though. Uh, but yeah, the sons are chore in terms of the the, the pigs and that. Yeah. That's he turns himself into a pig, and they're, and they're like, "Ah, you're a talking pig, so we'll kill you." No, you can't kill me in the form of a pig. All right, we'll let you turn back into a man. Ha! Huh, I'm a man now. I can run away. But they were, yeah, and they were, they were dogs. Of course, then they did eventually catch him. They, yeah. they knew that whatever they killed him with would call out of the of the of the tragedy, and they beat him with stones. They literally beat him with the earth yeah. and the ground. But then the very ground yeah, itself. The ground out there. But uh, is there another great wild pig in Irish mythology that you can think of? Dermot. Dermot and Grania. Yeah. That's a tragic story oh, about God, this yeah. wild creature, you know what I mean, which is seen as just an absolute monster in the thing, but, but it, uh, they it, were it punished. It's quite sad. Yeah. How the, um, I'm, I'm going to forget everyone's names. Uh, but I, I'm Mark. I, I love Mark. This is Sarah. Uh, hi, Sarah. <laughs> hi, Sarah. But it was uh, Ireland had a strong tradition of fostering. Yeah. And uh, you'd, you'd foster out your kids, partly so that, you know, I'm not going to attack you if your kids are in my house. And uh, so Dermot and this, this other young, young child, they were fostered. And, um, you know, the parents came to visit and the parents were members of the Fianna and Fionn was there and Fionn's dogs and his dogs started fighting a bit. And this one little lad got quite frightened. And so he ran between one of the adult's legs to, to hide. And uh, the, the adult, thinking this was a great joke, squeezed his legs together and crushed the child by accident. Yeah which is uh, quite horrific. Uh, and then tried to blame it on the dogs, but they they were quite obvious. Like, the, the there wasn't a mark on the child. Yeah, yeah that this was... This was not a dog. And also, this is Brown and Skolan. They don't hurt children. Yeah. Um, and so the, the child's father placed a curse uh, that as his son had been taken from him, so the man who had taken his son would lose his son. And he took the, the sort of the spirit or the essence of the dead child and placed it into a wild boar yeah. that would roam the countryside until... Uh, the blood of Dermot was shed. Yeah, which we see a horrible ending to that story. No talk about what happens to the boar, the boar after that. Yeah, I don't. Know. I mean, it's pr- it's probably a pretty old boar by this stage. It it, it could well be. But I mean, Fiona McCool is yeah. asleep in a mountain somewhere as well. But True. the awful thing is, so many of these stories don't have endings to them. And, <laughs> and we know, like UCD, are sitting on maybe not sitting on. Sorry, that's I apologize for that. But they got about thirty thousand manuscripts up there that will yeah. never be translated because, of course. The oral tradition, the storyteller stories, aren't really seen as a as a valid part of Irish culture well, and heritage. Um, they have they have been digitising and archiving, and they're still working on it, transcribing a lot of the stuff. But they just there is so much stuff. Yeah, it's not a priority for anyone though. Of course, with the state of our country, I would agree it's not a priority. Money yeah. needs to be put into to certain things, but um, but it is a tragic story to Dermot and Grainne one. But I think as much for the the child that's killed. Yeah. That it is for for Dermot himself. Yeah, and Dermot then gets gored to bits, and Fionn. Oh yeah, leaves him die, and the pig does kill him. But mm. you know, you have to look at his upbringing, yeah. don't you? You have to look at kind of, <laughs> you know, he's he's a, he's a he's a product of his environment. Yeah, I mean, like he he was a six year old boy, and then he was turned into a a boar. And six year olds they can throw some pretty vicious tantrums already, and then yeah. he had tusks. Jesus, yeah. Speaking of him, though, he had a very interesting run in with the beast, didn't he? Which time? <laughs> oh, a great question, yeah. But the, the one where he, he became leader of the Fianna, he oh, defeated yeah. uh, Alan. Yeah, tell us that story. That'll be our, our ending story. Um, well, there was once a warrior named Finn McCool. Now, Finn McCool was born in secret as his father, Cool, was leader of the Fianna. Now, the Fianna were a band of warriors that protected Ireland. But one day, Cool was killed by a rival clan, the leader of that clan, Gol McMorna. Finn was hidden away. 
and when he was old enough, after he was trained to be a warrior, he was sent away to, well, become a great poet. Because to get into the Fianna, you need to be a warrior and also a great poet. So he studied under a man named Finnegus. Finnegus was a very wise man, but very strange, because he would spend all his time fishing by a river, because he wanted to catch the salmon of knowledge. It was said if you ate the flesh of that salmon, all the knowledge of the world would go to you. You would be the wisest person in Ireland. And when young Finn was studying under Finnegus, Finnegus caught the fish. Yay. And, yay! and told Finn to cook up the salmon while he told everyone in the past that this man before him was going to be the wisest person in Ireland. Now Finn was cooking the fish over the fire, but when he did so, he burnt his thumb on the fish's scales and he put the thumb in his mouth. But when he did so, all the knowledge of the world went to Finn. And from that day on, he, whenever he needed to, he would just put his thumb in his mouth. He would know exactly what to do. Now, this would help him later because he went to the Fianna. He went to, he went to Tara. Because every Samhain night, there was a great feast dedicated to the members of the Fianna at Tara, the place of the High King of Ireland. So young Finn walked to Tara. And when he arrived there, he saw all the Fianna eating, drinking, having a great time. But Gold McMorna saw Finn and he saw the Fianna and he was furious. None of you can defeat the creature tonight, the creature that will destroy us all. You see, for the last five years, there was a great beast that had come out from the nearby fairy fort. And it had laid waste the fortress of Tara. Now, this beast was a terrifying creature, goblin-like with one eye. It had fiery breath and would burn down Tara every year. And its name was? Alan. <laughs> what a great name. What a great name. Great name, Alan the Burner. Yeah, I like to, I like to, that gets a big laugh. I like saying that. But anyway, Finn challenged Gol and said, I will defeat this creature. And Gol knew immediately that he was going to die and that was his problem solved, the young boy. So Finn walked to Tara and when he got to the great fortress, he realised he didn't know how to defeat the beast. So he put his burnt thumb in his mouth, the knowledge that he got from all the world. And then he got an idea. When he got to the fairy fort, he found a very large boulder. He sat down in front of the boulder, got his long spear and leaned it against it. Then he started to hear the beautiful music of the creature because the creature had a harp. And whenever a human heard that harp, they would fall asleep. Now Finn, he was starting to fall asleep. He leaned over the spear, but the spear pricked him awake on the forehead. He started to fall asleep again, he leaned over the spear, he kept waking up. And this happened for hours and hours until suddenly the music stopped. The ground trembled beneath him. Finn shot up, he grabbed his spear, he knew the beast was coming. And he looked towards the fairy fort and the grass parted and up came a giant, terrifying creature. It let out a deafening roar, let all the trees ablaze. The creature looked down and saw Finn, not a hint of fear in Finn's eyes. Now the creature was shocked. It had come out from the fairy fort for the last five years and never saw a single human. He was furious. Alan took in a big breath and drew fire towards Finn. Finn saw this coming. He ducked under the boulder. He could feel all the fire come in all around him. The creature came closer and closer. The fire got hotter and hotter. He thought he was going to die. Until suddenly, the fire stopped. The creature took an even bigger breath, the final breath to kill Finn. Finn, at this time, without even thinking, with the might of a hero, shot up from the boulder, grabbed his spear, and he threw it. 
into the eye of Alan. It went right through the other side and the creature fell down dead. And Finn arrived back to Tara with the head of the beast and then he became the leader of the Fianna. And that is the story of Alan the Burner and how young Finn McCool became the leader of the Fianna. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. I, I think I think we've got 11, 12 storytellers in the museum and they all tell that story differently. And we all differently. tell it differently. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Now, I can, you can win on a tour in the morning, go on a tour in the evening, you tell the story differently as well. But that creature in it, I think Alan is, I never would have thought about him in terms of being a beast or a monster, but of course, well, his physical the, description. In the, in the sort of the, the hero journey, hero's, the hero's journey, bringing a, bring a bit of literary theory, uh, he would be the monster, but I'm, uh, he has his own story and his own dealings. Yeah. And, and he's sentient, he talks, he plays music, so is he, he really a monster? He has feelings. He's still coming up and burning the place down. True, but he gives the warning, you know, I'm going to do this on Samhain night, get out of there. Mm. Yeah, bang a privilege off him though, isn't it? Yeah, but, admit it, but the humans nicked his land, his world, his access to sunlight, so he's got, yeah. he's got some reasons to be pissed. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. But again, every nation, well, a lot yeah. of nations have a history of uh, screwing over the indigenous people. <laughs> uh, but on that, we will, we will end the podcast. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed it. If you have questions for us, if you have comments for us, please do get in touch. There's a variety of ways you can get in touch. We are on Twitter. We are on Instagram. We are the Leprechaun Museum. We are the only Leprechaun Museum Downstairs. that I know of. <laughs> Uh, and if you have a question for us, hashtag ask a storyteller. Yep, always happy to hear from people. Yeah, we do. We love hearing from people. And if you're if you're in Dublin, pop in, have a chat with us. We we talk. That's what we do. And uh, goodbye. Goodbye. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Just a quick reminder, if you would like to be in with a chance of winning a signed copy of Mark Joyce's Mythical Irish Beasts, head over to our Instagram. We are the Leprechaun Museum podcast. We're the only Leprechaun Museum podcast you'll find on Instagram. You'll find details on how to enter and how to win a copy of this really wonderful book.